You are listening to the latest message from Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas, where we don't care about your past, but care about your future. We thank you for joining us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Dwayne Higgins. There and literally, I, uh, y'all know where I stand. I, I, I tell people and I talk to them about it, and they kind of write it off, but... Uh, this war is the beginning uh, of the end. We're going to see a lot of interesting stuff there. And that's kind of one thing God had me awake about this morning. And and I came up here early and went to doing some research and stuff and uh, trying to understand more and more. But I'm going to tell you what he told me a few days ago. And he said, Quit worrying about the future and watch the day because you will know what's happening day by day. And in the clarity of some of the things that I've preached on have become clearer the past two weeks than they've ever been. Because now I don't have to suspect. I know what's happening. And, and y'all know what I said about the Feast of the Tabernacle in 2023, and I've been telling you those dates. Well, that just it just affirmed that the abomination of desolation in my mind was 688 when they built the Temple Mount. And so it helps everything fit together. And, and I firmly believe uh, God's fixing to do a holy war. Something will bring America out of it because uh, he intends to... Uh, take control of this temple mount even though the wilderness tabernacle was not there it's the second most holy place for Muslim it's the first holy place for Jews and Christians and I tell you I've stood there and looked and it's amazing just to know you're standing where so much history was made and where my Jesus walked and it, I was blessed there. Verse, chapter 40, verse 1. The tabernacle's erected. Now this is the tent in the wilderness tabernacle that they carried with them. And, and, and even once they began to take control of uh, the promised land, they still used that uh, all the way through Saul, through the judges, through Saul, through David, because the, the permanent structure was... Uh, was built uh, under Solomon. So verse 2, it says, On the first day of the first month, you uh, shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. See, they've been building, getting all this stuff away. This is the month of Adar. And um, and so it, it begins normally in around the, the first end of the first week of March. It will move uh, and... and a variety it moves a, a little bit because of the 360 day uh, year but it, it it's there and that's the first of the month so you can say this was around somewhere around the middle of March it says you will uh, you shall place the ark of the testimony here and you shall screen the ark with a veil uh, we understand about the ark don't we the most everybody I think it was what it was and it the screen is what separated it from where the priest could go and only the high priest could go in once a year and offer that. And um, 
and, and offer the sin sacrifice. But he, he's laying out very detailed instructions on that. Verse 4, he says, uh, You shall bring the table and arrange it. This is the table with the showbread on it. Uh, and put it where it belongs. Uh, you shall bring the lampstand, the menorah. There's seven lamps there. And it will be a cross from that. So you'll bring that and set it where you're supposed to. And moreover, you shall set the gold altar of incense before the ark. Now that's a small altar that they burned incense on, and it stood right in front of the ark. It's stuff like if I was walking in, I would have the the menorah on the left and the table of showbread on the right, and right there before you went into there would be the altar of incense, which would stand uh, there. And it was a small, probably 18 by 18 inches, about 36 inches high. But that's where they offered up the incense every day. In uh, verse 6, that you shall set the altar of burnt offering in front of the doorway of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. Now we're on the outside of the there. And, and this would be an altar that was used for the burnt offerings and, uh, and stuff. And so it's to be lined up with the door. Now, which way did the tabernacle face? East, directly east. So... Just in front of it would be where they would offer the burnt sacrifices, and that would be an altar there. And then you shall set the laver between the tent of meeting and the altar. The laver uh, was a, a, a large wash basin, especially when Solomon built it. He built it and put it on the backs of three, three bulls facing all four directions. So there was 12 of them, and it was a bronze laver full of water. This symbolizes the cleansing process from the, you'd go through the, the altar with the uh, burnt offerings to the cleansing of the water and then enter into the temple. And so when you think about that, that's exactly what we do when we receive Christ. He was the offering. Our baptism has nothing to do with salvation, but it's a symbolic cleansing of the death, burial, and resurrection. And so you follow through with that, and then you have access to God. And, and literally, that's uh, the whole idea of baptism. It's not a New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament thing. been going on from time of Moses. Uh, when the permanent tabernacle was built, if you were going to go in and make your offering, they literally would have public baptismos, where you could go in and you walk down a set of stairs, and because they, when you come out, you're supposed to be ceremonially cleansed, they would have another set that would bring you out. And uh, they've, they've dug up a lot of these archaeologically, but you, you baptized yourself because it wasn't a salvation deal. It was a cleansing so you could present yourself holy and righteous to God. And uh, I've had this debate just recently with a, a lady that, oh, you've got to be baptized. Scripture says, uh, uh, I see, uh, repent and be baptized. And so baptism is salvation. It's not. Uh, do not get caught up in that. Baptism is not, it's not a sal salvation experience. It's because you are saved that you follow through with that. Now, 
Now, I would argue with you. Somebody said, well, I don't need to be baptized. I said, no, you're wrong. It's the act of obedience in a public profession of faith. But it has no saving power because the Scripture's clear. You're saved by faith. If baptism had saving power, that would be a work. In other words, you would have to do this. And, and people argue, oh, you got to do that. Well, yeah, I think you got to, but it has no saving power. But it's a testimony of what we are because Scripture is clear. We're saved by putting our faith in the sacrifice that God has made. And that was the same way that uh, when they offered the, their bull or their lamb and it was a burnt offering, by faith they offered that knowing that that sacrifice would take away their sin. But then the cleansing came as they moved forward and, and stuff. And so be careful because that's a that's a... It's an important part because people want to think they've, it's too simple. Save salvation by faith is too simple. It wasn't simple to Jesus because he had to die. And it's not simple to most people because you've got to believe. And believing is not walking an aisle one time, folks. It's surrendering your life. And you're accepting that and saying, I believe Jesus died for me. And I'm going to let him guide and direct my life. And I'm going to accept that sacrifice. And I'm going to live by it. Folks, I was as nervous as anybody because I was a grown man when I got, I didn't want to go down front and get baptized. But boy, I tell you what, when I did, it was the most wonderful thing in the world. And then after I did and I got saved, I realized people are not looking to condemn me for going down and being late doing it. They were rejoicing. And that's what I try to tell people. I said, you know, they, they're not there making fun of you and laughing because you're doing it later on. They're rejoicing. And, and that's why it is that public profession of faith. And, boy, as people get older, it gets harder and harder for them to do that because they, they, they're kind of embarrassed. They say, I don't want to go down front and do it. Well, it, it will set you free because it is an act of obedience and love and mercy. And, and that's the way it's laid out, the sacrifice. The brazen altar, enter into the the, the court where you, you begin to enter in, and the closer you get, the more you get to knowing who God really is. And that was what the tabernacle was all. It's laying all these things out in a visual uh, way so people could understand a spiritual truth. All right, uh, verse 8 said, You shall set up the court all around it and hang up the veil, and this was the Ten of meetings around there uh, in the ten of meeting to, to protect it. So the, there was no other way. You had to come one way. Now what's that a picture of? John 14, 1 through 6. I am the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. There's one way into the meet, meeting place. We've got not many ways. There's one way. you got to come through the cross. See, it's, it's all spiritual. It, it's not anything to do with the building. God has given you a visual picture of what he's doing spiritually in people's lives. And so it's a spiritual truth. He said, then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and it shall consecrate it and all its furnishing, and it shall be holy. 
Now, this oil would have been a, a mixture of fragrances that God had given Moses. It was a recipe of making this anointing oil. We typically use just olive oil. It's real common. One thing, I don't have the recipe to make the true anointing oil. But anointing oil is just simply a, a, a part of uh, set somebody aside and that'd be true for olive oil. I buy it over at Spring Market or Brookshire's and stuff. But see, it's not the oil that has the power. It's the willingness to follow and trust God. If you go over to Hebrews 12 and it talks about the faith of all these individuals in, in that faith chapter there and and uh, it, it's by their faith that they did these things and accomplished those things. It's the same with their anointing oil. It, people want to sell you anointing Don't. Just go over and buy you a bottle at Spring Market and get it. It's, I promise you, it, it's as good as what they're selling. There's no holy oil. There's nothing about it. And they say, oh, take this and it'll heal you. So, no, you're going to get healed but when God decides to heal you and you trust him and, and allow it. They're they're just selling you a ball of junk. They're 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 building up their billfolds with your money, trying to convince you because there's something about it. We're afraid to realize God offers something so great so sim simplistically. It's something about we just it's got to be harder than that. And then there's corrupt people around the world just love to play on ignorance of people because they'll take that and say well oh i got what you need i can take a special wood or special water y'all what i know y'all seen some of these shows some of you watch some of these quacks preach every day and and, and when they do they've always got something they want to sell you and it's special you know it's special there's some good ones out there but a lot of them's quacks because they just Wolves in sheep's clothing trying to make you get some money out of you. And, and don't fall for that. Just realize it's the, the work of following God and, and living for him every day. Verse 11, you shall anoint the labor and stand. So he's anointing everything. He's putting oil on everything. Um, then she'll bring Aaron and his sons and doorway of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. See, this is part of the cleansing. You should put the holy garments on Aaron. In other words, this is an outward change of Aaron to now make him the priest to represent. Aaron is a sinful, wretched man just like everybody else was. But as priest, he represents what Christ would become, the great high priest. He's symbolic of the one that would go in front of the people on behalf of them to God. And that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. Even though he was God, he went in front of you and I on behalf of you and I so that we could be saved by faith. He's the one who's making uh, requests to God and, and atoning for us so that when we stand before God, he could pull up your life story and it'll look just terrible. And for those without Christ, it's going to depart from me, you workers of iniquity. But for those of us who are saved, it's going to look bad. But Jesus is going to say, but he's one of mine. She's one of mine. 
and I've paid for their sin. And the Father said, then come on in. Because even though we're wretched and we're wicked and evil and we still have sin and we struggle with things, if you're truly saved and you've given your life to Jesus, he's made atonement for that sin. And that's what makes you holy. And must write it. I shared with some of them this afternoon. I'm going to go ahead and share a little bit with you. I, God woke me up and was doing stuff, and we were thinking, and I was praying. and so, Boy, I got real fired up, and I got up and, and, and walked out of the bedroom, and all of a sudden there was a sense of evil all around me. I mean, it's scary. Because all of a sudden you just feel like, where did this come from? It's just all around you. So I walked through the house and I began to rebuke it. And in this house, when we built it, we, we prayed over it. I wrote scripture, everything. And I've never in this house felt this, this presence of evil. I've had it a few other times, but the, it was there this morning. And, and so I went back to bed. I'm still quoting scripture and I'm, I'm telling Satan to get out of my house. I'm washed in the blood. And I said, not on my righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because that's what makes me righteous. And I said, Lord, I'm going to go to sleep. Keep an angel on. Don't let this wicked one in here anymore. And I slept pretty good. But I didn't worry about it anymore. But I know he didn't like me in the middle of the night praying and God speaking to me. And, and he's mad about what we're doing here. I was, I'm not going to say I wasn't afraid. I was uneasy. I'm not afraid of the demons because I've got, I, I know the Lord would fight for me. I don't have to take him on. Couldn't. He's an angel and I'm a, a weak vessel. But I know who can take him on. And that's what I did. And and uh, and I, I, then it fell. I got up this morning and it was fine because, but I promise you one, the demons do not like what's going on with this body because we preach the truth we teach the truth we live on the truth and it upsets them because we're people are watching you and they're watching stuff and through the magic of the internet and facebook and youtube and all that we we got them all around the world watching us we got we we got a church going up there in canada they meet and stuff I promise you, in these latter days, Satan don't like that. So he's going to try to tear us up. And and so don't be fearful because we are unrighteous. When he goes making you feel guilty, just go ahead and agree. Yeah, I'm just a sinful person, but I'm washed in the blood and you ain't. I put in some East Texas term. I let him know right quick. I ain't in the same boat you are, Bubba. I am wretched. And I, I, I'm about as wicked as you are, but I'm washed in the blood. And he won't ever be. Because, see, he was an angel. He knew what was right. He knew what was right and wrong. And he chose to rebel. But he will come after you. And um, so don't be fearful of him. Verse 14 says, uh, you shall bring his sons, because setting them aside, they were going to follow their dad through... Uh, that ministry said, uh, you shall anoint them even as you've anointed their father. 
and uh, they may minister. So we're going through the same deal. And, and Moses did all these things. Uh, now, verse 17 said, Now in the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. And, and it goes on to describe all that. Now look in verse 34. This is a good part. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, folks, that was something they had seen him on Mount Sinai, but they'd never seen him up close like they were see there. The same thing happened when Solomon dedicated the permanent temple. God so filled it with a cloud. It wasn't smoke the way you're thinking about it. What little I've been in the presence of holiness, it's just a tremendous peace and aura of awe. You're literally just in awe of what going on around you it's just undescribable what comes over you and that's why when you get to heaven all these little old disagreements us christians had here on earth they won't be there because you won't even think about those things because you're going to be in such a wonderful presence of the of the magnitude of god and love is just going to abound because still to this day we will never fully understand the love of God and why he does what he does. Um, this week, I, I, I still, I was praying and I said, Lord, I, I still don't understand why, knowing all that you know about us, why did you create Satan, knowing he's going to rebel? Why did you create Adam and Eve knowing they was going to fail? And why did you create Dwayne knowing he was going to fail? You know what he said? He said, if they hadn't have failed, they, you would never know who I really am. That would be a side of me you'd never see. And that's right. Without our failures, we would never know the mercy and grace of God. And I said, you're right, Lord. We had to fail. Satan had to rebel. Or we never would have understood the wonders of your grace. So he created all that so that you and I could know something about God that we never would have known any other time. So let's not get mad at Adam and Eve. Don't go beat them up when you get into heaven. Because they may just whoop up on you. Um, we had to. And then I think about the Apostle Paul and what he said when he prayed that that thorn in the flesh would leave him. And what Jesus told him, he said, it's through your weakness my strength is made perfect. He doesn't relish in our weakness, but he relishes in the opportunity to show people his strength and that love and mercy and grace. 
and so the the presence of God is just such an awesome thing and and I think for those of you who participate in that 24-hour prayer vigil, first of all, that, that was just an awesome experience. Just an awesome experience to get away from everything. Caleb had some, I don't know where he found it, some of the best music and stuff. I had one guy who'd been out there praying and crying out around the cross. He thought he was through, and he came in here, and that music hit him, and he said, wow. It was just a moving deal. And if you really want a moving time, try that midnight to 6 a.m. deal. Because I tell you, there's not much going on in people's lives. And it's just you. Man, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. And we're going to do it at least once a year, give you opportunity and I was really amazed how many people did just exactly what I'm asked to. They came in here and sat down. And if somebody was over here praying, they would sit over here. They didn't interchange. And you know how we like to talk. And there was none of that. And I was really blessed as I watched that. And I tell you the truth, I sat in Thursday night and I stayed up here all night because I thought somebody is going to forget. And y'all just amazed me. Every one of you showed up, stayed long. Matter of fact, I came in here to relieve Jimmy early because I thought, man, it's, he needs to go. He said, don't rob me of this blessing. And I had the privilege of, and I, I ain't picking on you because I love you. I know you did. We got to spend a great time. And then all of you were so great. I mean, I've tried this in other churches. I couldn't feel 12 hours. Y'all feel 24. And that amazed me, folks. That amazed me that what you did. And I think you came out way ahead on that. And we're going to keep doing it. Now, I failed y'all on the Day of Atonement. I just did 20 hours, but I'm going to do the 24. Because I was put to shame by some other folks. I gave up. But you can do that anytime you want. 12 hours, 24 hours, whatever you want. And, and just set aside a time. And you will be blessed to be in the glory of God. In verse 36, it says, Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. In other words, they didn't move till God told them to move. And that applies to you and I in our lives. People always, they always ask me, Well, Brother Dwayne, I feel like I need to do something. I need, well, what's God telling you? I don't know. Well, if he's not telling you anything, you're fine right where you're at. And I'm just here to tell you, quit looking for something and, because when he shows it to you and tells you, you will know. Then go. Because if you go to trying to 
guess you'll find yourself out in front of God and not behind him. And when you're in front of him, you're going one way and you will, you'll miss him when he turns to go a different way. And I think sometimes he just laughs and he'll take a left-hand turn just to show you. You may be going the same place he's going, but he said, uh-uh, I'm going to go this way. I always tell people that's God's permissive will. He knows your heart. And when you're truly trying to follow him, you'll, you'll, you'll find yourself wanting to get ahead of him and run out there. He'll let you for a little bit, and then he'll, he'll bring you back. He said, now let's get back to where we're supposed to be. He's done that a few times in my life. Let me go and where I thought I ought to go and then showed me that, no, that's not the right place. And that's when I was really struggling with, with preaching. I wanted to do everything but preach. Uh, everything but preach. I said, God, yeah, you're wrong on that. I can't preach, God. I'm just not qualified. And he was right. And I was right. I wasn't qualified. But I had no idea what he would do with me. And he went through a period of time when he said, all right, chase your little rabbits around here, but you're going to end up back here on the trail. You're going to be with me. And that's what I want for you. Because if we are in the seven-year tribulation, which I, I really believe you're going to see some crazy stuff, and y'all saw the bombing of the hospital this week? Stuff. More and more of that stuff's going to happen. And when the Dome of the Rock is taken out, it don't matter who takes it out, the Muslim world going to come unglued. And it very well could have been a rocket from Hezbollah or somewhere else that takes it out. But who's going to get the blame? Israel. Proven fact right now that that hospital was bombed by a rocket from Hamas. You're not going to convince very many Muslims today that it wasn't Israel's fault. Why? They're already convinced you did it. And the whole Muslim world is going to come unglued in the next few years because that dome of the rock is going to be a pile of trash because God's going to take that mountain back. That's his place. And he ain't sharing it with nobody. That, that theory of where they're going to build a temple right beside Domer, no, God ain't going to share it. They may build one, but it won't be because God did it. Because God told them, he said, tear down them high places. Tear down those false idols. Get rid of them. And that's why I say this war is a holy war. They've been preaching lies and, and teaching lies and crying out to Allah. They ain't crying out to Yahweh. They're crying out to Allah. And that's Satan himself. When they say, what is it? What, what's that saying they say? About, it's supposed to be God is great. Uh, yeah, Ali, Akbar, and stuff. They cry out, and they're talking to Satan. And you're going to find out there's more and more, and that's why this war is going to be a war like no other. And uh, you're going you're gonna to see it. And but that's why we as a church have got to be ready to face whatever comes before us. Because we're surrounded by Muslims. 
you're surrounded by lots of folks you're not going to necessarily like. There's sympathizers for the Muslims in this county right here. And there's some radicals out there who swear up and down. They'd rather see Hamas than they had Israel survive. KKK, good old rednecks, hated the Jews. And they, you know what they used to say? What I always heard them say was, well, they killed Jesus. Well, yeah, they had to. If they hadn't, we'd be in a world of hurt. They couldn't see God's plan. They, they chose to hate God's people because they did exactly what God wanted them to do. And then they called it righteous. So don't tell me. You don't have to be a Muslim to hate a Jew. But I promise you in these last days, God's moving to exalt the Jews. Many of them going to get saved. He's going he's to reunite that country. And he's going to fight this holy war. And uh, you're going to see some great things happening. And uh, I'm excited about it. But Exodus was an interesting time. But they came to know God for a little while. But there's one common thread that goes throughout the Old Testament. You know what it is? Every time a group of people got to know God, the next group didn't. They didn't pass it on. And they would end up going the same way their forefathers did. And that's why our churches are struggling today. Because there's a group of people who don't know God today and they're going to repeat the same sin and the same problems that's plagued this nation over and over and time again until it gets so bad, then they want to come running, want you to pray for them. They don't want you to pray for them when things are going good. They don't need prayer. They don't need God then. But when it gets bad... They'll be standing over and running over Tony down here at that door. Get out of my way. Let me in there. But you know what? Most of them will come in there for an immediate cure, and then you won't see them again. Because they don't want to walk with God. They just want to be bailed out by God. A walk means you get up every day when it's good or bad, and you walk with him, and you watch him, and you learn about him. And um, that's why I struggle with some issues when people get on that deathbed and want you to come pray over them and read Scripture to them and all that. And I'm, okay, I'm glad. But where were you two years ago? What'd you do? Where was God when He wanted time with you just to fellowship? And that's, that's what we're so good at as humans. Okay? It's been a long journey. Brad Reddy done took his hat off. He said, he's been to pray and I'm going to get to go. Worked hard all day. Um, Y'all got anything to say? Do you like to stew? Huh? 
Well, you won't get one next week because I'm not going to be here next Wednesday. Y'all going to have hamburgers next week. Oh, I tell you what I do need. I need to tell you, we're supposed to feed the football boys a week from this Friday. Not this Friday, but a week from this Friday. We're going to do hamburgers. I need some help. Mike's going to come up and cook the burgers, but I need some of y'all to be willing to come up here and help serve. Uh, we'll probably just do hamburger and chips because uh, it's easy, but I'll have the materials here, but I'm going to be gone. He said he would come up and, and cook and uh, and the stuff, but to serve, make sure there's tea and stuff like that. So some of y'all that have an opportunity, show up like you did last time. We This year we're feeding them twice, but uh, the boys... Uh, are doing they're winning but you know what they've tried hard and, and they fought some good fights on teams that are what bigger than them are brad oh i thought you you said you you volunteering goldie you was your point to go to go to be here okay but anyway uh he's got a key he can open up and randall's back in town so everything's gonna be all right okay he he came home a day early, so everything's in back in good shape. But but uh, I've had a lot of good help in all aspects, and I'm proud of all of you. And uh, who? Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's good, and um, and stuff. We need a lot more, and uh, stuff. But a lot of good things happening. You're impacting a lot of people, and they're looking to this church for the leadership, and they appreciate what you do, um, and I do too. But we're going to take a little time off and just kind of cruise through November and December and catch our breath. Uh, Holiday meal, December 10th. Potluck. I ain't cooking for you. We may cook. I'll probably cook some ham, but we'll get with you on that. But <clears throat> we'll, we'll do on that. Okay? Um, Caleb, I think, is going to cover Wednesday and Sunday. He'll get some good preaching from him. He's got time that he's got to get out in front get out from behind that old desk back there um he's going to be talking to somebody that that band that was here last wednesday one of those guys is an expert on sound and stuff and he said he would come and help teach some more people and show them they they actually have this system and he's real familiar with it and he said he'd be willing to come and and, and help show some people some pointers and stuff. You're not going to be an expert on it because it takes a lot, but at least you can get some basics. So if he asks you and you're interested in working sound, we need four or five people that like to do that stuff. So if one's out, somebody can fill in. Or if you like computers, Caleb can move over when when Lou's not here and there, there's something back there that you could learn to do and, and help things go on. Um, 
y'all were very generous Wednesday night. They were amazed. They told Bud last night. Uh, they were just amazed at uh, the generosity of the church. I think it was a little over $800 given, and uh, and that was real good. Uh, we did like 1700 to uh, the group at the fall festival. But I'm going to tell you, that's been a flop. We've never had good turnout. It's not accomplished what we wanted. It's been some good music, but we'll we'll have to do something else. It's, nobody wants to stay. We'll have to figure out another way to reach them. And they just miss out on some blessings. But we'll uh, we'll keep getting some of these groups coming in periodically and sing for us and uh, and stuff. So y'all been really worshiping well with the music we've had. I watch you Sunday and. Hey, it's all right to stand up. It's all right to raise your hand. It's all right to to clap and stuff. I mean, it's okay. I'm not going to run you off. Now, you're going to roll in an aisle. I'm going to tell you to get back in your chair. But, I mean, there's a limit on me. But, but, uh, but, well, sit down then. You know, but, but, folks, you've got the greatest thing in the world to be happy about and and people want to know when they come to church it's all right to to rejoice and praise god for who he is and i you don't have to get out of control but i like to see y'all standing up and raising your hand i'm i'm okay with that and stuff. I'm all right. Well, you're sitting there too. But I, I like the mixture. I like you that you've got the freedom to do either one. But don't feel hindered and stuff. Just don't spit on your neighbor in front of them, okay? I mean, that's a little bit kind of rude. But but uh, on that, and if you want to really get wild, get over in this corner over here. That bunch gets crazy over there. Uh, but I know their IQ too, so that's one. <laughs> So, uh, but I, I do. I, I really feel like here in the past few weeks, y'all have really, and it makes me feel better when I'm preaching, because I know you're you're ready, you're excited, and and uh, I'm excited about what's in front of us. Father, we thank you for the time. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for your Spirit. Thank you for all that you've revealed about who you are, that we can see you every day. Bless the people that's here this week. I don't know what all they're dealing with. Some of them may be dealing with some major issues and some of them may not, but every one of them want to grow and walk with you and uh, spend time with you, and we want, uh, we, we want that. And I know we've all messed up sometimes, but we, we're, we're giving it 100%, most of us anyway, and, and we're going to pray and, and do... Uh, do some wonderful things and see you work in our lives and the people around us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, bless y'all and y'all have a great week. We thank you for listening to Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We are located on Highway 259 just south of the four-way in Omaha. You may also find us on Facebook or the web at barnonecowboyministries.com.
a place where we don't care about your past, but care about your future.